I am here with Natasha Carlo, who is an itinerant counselor and mother, as you all are hearing in the background, of two wonderful children, one of whom has been diagnosed with special needs. Natasha's focus is on grief counseling. And in her personal life, she has been adapting a lot recently to learning how to care better and better for her ADHD son. So Natasha has come on before and talked to us about grief as a special needs parent. But in that first episode that she did, she talked to us about the characteristic experiences of special needs parents who feel grief. And we could not leave that episode as a standalone episode because we didn't think that we would be doing any favors to our listeners by just saying, yep, you have grief issues. Um, good luck with that. So <laughs> So we wanted to come on today to talk about what can we do about this. And Natasha says she actually has about five tips and tools that we could use to step our way through grief as it comes up as a routine thing, or if it comes up and it's not routine because sometimes things trigger us. So welcome, Natasha. I'm so glad you are here to share your expertise. Thank you so much for having me again, Marsha. I always, always love our conversations. So do I. Hi, good night, good night, everyone, wherever you're listening to us. So Natasha, you said that there are so many ways that you could advise us to deal with grief, but we don't have infinite time so you would focus on five really important approaches that mm -hmm. most people would find application for in their lives. Uh, is there anything, before we even talk about the five, is there anything that you find in general um, sets the stage for why special needs parents experience grief in the first place? and why it's important to not just sit there in that grief, but to do something about it? You know, it's, I mean, maybe in the first episode, we would have touched a lot on this. And the fact that the experiences of this fashionist parent is very much the experience of grief. And if you look at grief, grief is that natural response to loss. And we usually associate it with the death of someone. But if you, as a parent, if you've lost, and certainly as a special parent, you could list all the things that you lose. You lose, you know, the future that you planned for your child. You lose the opportunities that you wanted for your children. You lose friendships. You lose sometimes even there's a loss of the relationship. Marriages and especially in specialist community are really challenged. So there's a lot of things that you've lost. So. Grief as a response to loss is very applicable to special needs parents and special needs families. So we want to start with the assumption that the experience is that of grief, right? 
whether you deal with it really, really well, or whether you don't deal with it really well, the experience is one that is categorized by grief. I like that you right? pointed, um, we might be pushing it down, but it may, it, it's there somewhere. And so Absolutely. let's let's hear your tips because that may help us to really feel into the truth or the depth of what is coming up for us. The first place we start is with that acknowledgement of grief. So we need to acknowledge that we, we are experiencing grief. So there's this pressure to deal with things really well and be okay with everything. But if we cannot even acknowledge that we feel grief over the loss that we, we have, you know, um, I remember in our last conversation, you was referring to someone, to, I, I think it was your own grief actually over never seeing your daughter walk down the aisle, right? Which is an experience that every parent thinks about and imagines. And, you know, if we don't, if we try to pretend that that feeling isn't grief, it doesn't do anyone any any good. So we want to start by acknowledging grief. We always hear that, you know, acceptance is the first step and acknowledgement is the first step. So we really need to acknowledge that the feelings we have are feelings of grief. So they might come with different, we call them grief companions. So they might come shrouded in anger, in guilt, in depression, and all of it. But really, we're talking about grief. And you know, we want to be able to call this feeling by name because if we can't name it, we can't even begin to deal with it. So we right. need to acknowledge that grief and say, listen, I love my son, but I feel grief over the fact that he may always have challenges in yeah. school or in social situations or you know, managing his emotions. You name it, for every one of us, the experience will be different. So we want to call it by name. Because the extension to what you've just said is, I love my son, but my grief and my grief does not diminish that love. They Absolutely can't... not. Absolutely not. Right? right. And, and that, that, that's an important distinction. And thank you for bringing it up, right? Because grief is not the absence of gratitude, right? That's not how it works. They can both, they can both coexist. So we want to call it by name. And, it, and that does two things really quickly. One, it, it, um, it takes away the power of the, of, of the experience. By giving it a name, we, we can set a plan in motion to deal with it. So it takes away that power. But two, it also takes away the power that other people have to trigger us. So I had to come to the realization that part of my grief was the fact that I, I don't want people to misunderstand understand my son's behavior. And I don't want people to think poorly of my son and certainly of me as a parent. That's part of my grief. And by acknowledging that, the amount of triggers that I was getting from people, are they looking at him funny? Are they judging me? And those triggers, I was able to deal with those triggers by calling it out. Right? You know, I would have dreamt that that made sense once upon a time, mm -hmm. but so true because if I can get behind the mechanism and if I can see myself in a dispassionate sort of way mm -hmm. and say, no, Marsh, 
grief is what is coming up here. And there are triggers of yeah. grief. Anytime somebody says this or does this mm -hmm. or looks for your child in a certain way or yeah. behaves us, you tend to have a response to that. Mm -hmm. And the minute I started to recognize that and see the trends, yes. I started to be able to not stop feeling it authentically as still it was important to feel it, but the need to hide it behind those grief companions, to mm -hmm. call it your own mm -hmm. those sorts mm -hmm. of things have less power over me and started to open the door to freedom. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Exactly. So there we go. So we're going to acknowledge that grief, right? That's step one. Step two, now that we've acknowledged it, now that we've named it, we have a responsibility to ourselves and to our charges to actively work through that grief. We know what it is now. We have to do what we need to do to get to a better place. Because it doesn't matter what type of grief we're dealing with. We need to progress through that grief. Right? Okay. We don't sit in grief. When you say actively work through, in mm -hmm. my mind, active work equals effort and sweat. But this is emotional. Mm -hmm. So tell me what you mean by actively work through. I don't know that there's any difference. Effort and sweat. I love that. <laughs> effort and sweat. Because it's going to take a lot of effort on your part. Maybe not so much sweat, more crying. Maybe some crying, some tears, some real effort to look inside and say, okay, why am I, why am I so easily triggered by people who, who don't know me or don't know my child? Why am I feeling this way? What is, your, what is, you know, is happening when this happens? So we want to actively work through that and we want to start doing the, the work, right? So this, this so far is still very self-focused. We're managing our grief by focusing on what is happening within each other. Okay. And, and is that work process, um, mm -hmm. is it like you can chart a course and everybody follows the same steps and everybody gets through it in a, you can tell me in two weeks, I'll get you over it or in three months, does it work like that? No, no, no. It is as different as our hair color, our eye color. It's, it's, it's really, everyone is on a different journey and everyone's grief journey will be different. It depends on their support, their support systems, the amount of resources that they have, even the type of grief, even the, the, ch the challenges that their children may have. So okay. I really want to say that this is individual and it is tailored to everyone's experience. But each of us can navigate through grief. Okay. All right. So how do we do that? So I mentioned before, there's going to be a lot of self-work. So we can do that by accessing, accessing, sorry, support groups. Um, I just a casual, a casual search on Facebook, for instance, will bring up any number of support groups for parents of special needs kids. Because, and I love that. I love that they understand that our parenting journey is so specific. Right? So even a casual social piece, but you're going to find lots of support. Bringing it more locally, you can seek to actively seek support in the form of therapy or in the form of social support. 
having a support system, someone that you can talk to. Another special needs parent or a, a trusted friend, whether it's your pastor, your priest, whatever, find the support help that, that helps you work through your grief. All right? Okay. And I like that you mentioned pastors and, and um, your religious, um, but you all say that that's the only way to do it. The ideal thing, is it that you should find what you feel most comfortable with? Absolutely, what works for your life. So for instance, when I first started my grief journey with the loss of my babies, I, 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 I did the Facebook session, I joined a lot of groups. And for me, that was the first step that helped me realize that, oh, okay, so a lot of these feelings, I'm not the only one. I said not a word in these groups. This was just me observing and listening and following along. And because I was able to find the type of support in that group, I was then able to start speaking on my own journey. So nobody's saying that you have to create your own Facebook group and become a social media influencer. None of that has to happen. However you find support, whether you are like me, silently following along, whether they're like you, actively talking about it and encouraging other people, find your vision of support, all right? Yeah. And I deliberately would like to leave those things open-ended because I want everyone to find what works for them, right? So we're finding that support system and we're gonna gain strength, we're gonna gain competencies that helps us work, without, work through our grief. The third step is a fun activity that I like to do with my grief clients, which is creating this script. So a script is a very short, firm, and final statement. So it's short, there's not a lot to it. It's firm and it's final. And what that does is the script helps us in one quick statement to protect ourselves from triggers, from grief triggers. So, one of the things we don't have a lot of control over is other people's ideas about our kids, about children, special needs children, you know, and we come from a culture that can be very, very cruel at times, right? Let, let's just call it what it is. Our idea of what's funny, our idea of what's a joke can be very, very cruel and, you know, we want to be able to protect ourselves. So again, this is still very self-focused. We want to be able to protect ourselves because that emotional investment of being triggered day after day after day, that is damaging and it drains us, right? Okay, can you give me an example of, of, of something because we are talking about having a script that when something outside of us triggers us, find ourselves mm -hmm. get sucked into that beef mm -hmm. or the canyon starts to rise up. Spot mm -hmm. um, it, but not, not suddenly get overwhelmed or inundated by it. The script mm -hmm. then 
like like a life raft kind of thing, right? Right, and it, it helps us to separate ourselves from the situation. So an example would be, and again, I'll, I'll use myself, right? So what, I was in a, a situation and someone was referring to kids. It's so embarrassing. This was because this was a, what should have been a professional situation. They were referring to kids with autism as the R word. We, 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 we know what that word is. We, we don't use that word anymore, right? They were referring to kids with autism as our word. And I, I, I felt it, I felt it. I felt the, the tightening in my throat. I felt the stinging in my eyes. But I was in a professional situation and I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't give in to my grief at that time. Yeah. And so I had to say to them, I wonder if this had been your child, if this was a conversation you would be comfortable with someone saying to you, right? It was short, it was firm, and it was final. The person looked at me, I looked at them, and I walked away, the conversation was over, right? That is what the script does. It saves you from that, because I could have gone in on that person. How dare you say that about these kids? Do you know how difficult life could be for these kids and their parents? How could you say that? What type of person? But at the end of the day, that emotional investment, it was not the time, it was not the place, and I did, I chose not to get involved emotionally like that. Well, I actually, I like your script because your script flipped responsibility back to the person. Absolutely. It's, maybe you need to do some self-reflection here. Maybe mm -hmm. it's you lean in and, and use some empathy. Um, but you and you will, you'd never lecture this person, but it is a lecture, it's in silent words. <laughs> <laughs> right? right? The, just the kernel to take mm -hmm. and to suddenly lead them into a lot of self-work and that's good. Um, and it and was backed up from what I saw you say, it was backed up with your body. Because you said, listen, I'm setting my boundaries with my script, but I'm also mm -hmm. setting boundaries by walking away. This is the end of the conversation. Yeah. I'm walking away. Um, I, that takes, I love it. And it takes practice. And I, and I want to say none of this, you know, has to happen overnight. It takes practice. People push, people push back. Sometimes we're afraid to speak up to people, you know, because we think that, you know, for whatever reason, we can't speak up to them, but it takes practice. It takes looking at yourself in the mirror and saying this over and over. It takes imagining that situation. What am I going to do the next time someone triggers me? Am I going to cry about it? Am I going to lock myself in the bathroom? What can I say that will take me out of that situation? So don't be afraid to practice in the mirror. Don't be afraid to, you know, and, and one of the things, <laughs> one of the things that I, I did as practice 
would be if I was watching a television show or a sitcom. Sometimes you watch sitcoms from the 80s and the 90s and the language is so wrong. The language is so incorrect. So I, you know, if I'm watching TV, I would be like, huh, what would I say to someone like that? And so I would use those situations to practice and to rehearse the script because the script has to be rehearsed. It has to be known. It has to be known. You have to be able to pull it out at a moment's notice. So if you are seeing something on TV or you're observing something on social media, use that to practice your script. Prepare because you don't want... Go ahead. Sorry. You don't want to be in the situation to try and figure out what you need to say in the situation. What's so you're gonna is that many of us, you know, we have this conversation with somebody and, and, and half an hour later, you think of the exact line, <laughs> right? Yes. You're, you're, you're stumped, you have no words. You're so mm-hmm. angry, you have no words. You're so sad, yeah. you could hold yourself together, whatever it is. And mm-hmm. it's tick, tick, minutes go by. Yes. And then you finally know what you wish you could have said, right? Yes. And mm-hmm. that shoes with you yes. for a while. Um, so I like it because it gives you the chance to role play it. To mm-hmm. Imagine. Mm-hmm. But are there, and maybe this is coming up in some other tip, but um, so, so, so let me know if it is, but are there different ways that we could do that role play? watch the tv i like that question that's a very good question actually and so for me i would you know if i heard something inappropriate i would role play with that because my whole my hope in this entire thing is to remain who i am and not have external things change me and sometimes people can trigger you to the point that you, you 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 Oh, the anger, right? And I never wanted to have to be to become a different person. I never wanted to be anybody but Natasha. So I think about it. So I think that a good way to practice that would be to find someone that you trust, and you can actually role play these situations with a trusted person. So you, so you know, I know you would have friends, or maybe even your husband, and role play. Ask him, what would you say if someone said something inappropriate about Emmy? Right? What would you say? And that conversation, you guys can work on that conversation between yourselves. So parents can do it. You can even do it with siblings of your children. You know, yeah. talk to them and say, how what would you what would you say if someone said something hurtful about your sister? And children need to have these scripts as well because the emotional investment is even more for them. There is something that really has made a difference for me with regard to the mm-hmm. sibling exposure part. Yeah. Uh, for some years now, maybe for about seven or eight years now, I've been exposing mm-hmm. Brian stories about special needs children. There's, mm-hmm. there's a book um, called Wonder that became a movie. Yes. So, Yes. So I had found the book Wonder before it became a movie and he read the entire mm-hmm. series. And what that does, it, it, it plants so much in there without me lecturing him, without yes. any of planting of my opinion. Mm-hmm. Let him sit there and you let him think of his view. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. ready 
Anthony asks a question. So he'll just drop yeah. onto the bed and he say, mm -hmm. you know, Mom, I've been thinking. And he has, <laughs> I love that. As my perspective, when he's ready, you know, it's like when the mm -hmm. fruit is the picket. Mm -hmm. So it, that's one of the things. Um, and another one for me that is, is, is our real life conflicts that come up. Mm -hmm. Go to the and somebody passes judgment on you and says you're a failure as a parent. And they yeah. have comes about walking up to you as a stranger and telling you these things. And you're in the middle of some, some place with a hundred people. Yeah. You, you're not going to want to have a, a, a meltdown or have a fight mm -hmm. with somebody. Mm -hmm. But that needs to be dealt with because it eats at yeah. you. Mm -hmm. so Home and I'll say, you know, I can't. Here's what I went through today. Yes, yes. And we talk about it, and it might be some grousing, but it also is purging. It's, it's and it's practice. You're working through your scripts. You're working it because you might say, even even like you said earlier, it's, it's only at that time when you vent into someone else, you realize what you really wanted to say. You know. Yeah. And the script is different depending on the situation. So the thing is, there are no words sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes mm -hmm. my script is a look. Seriously. Right. right. I've verbal scripts also count in my word. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sometimes, I love that. Sometimes it's, okay, Marsha, water for ducks back. This is what I tell mm -hmm. myself. My head, mm -hmm. see, I don't choose to validate you. Yeah. You don't deserve a word from me. Yeah. So my turn. And sometimes it's action. It's it action. It is. I will not continue to patronize this establishment, this school, because you you would have known that you know we we've left schools because yeah. obviously this is not the place for my son, and I will not continue to pay. Right. To have my son in this so I, I like, right? like this conversation because it shows that you change the flavor of the message. You said mm -hmm. create script, practice your script. But what's right for you? It doesn't have to be what we traditionally think a script is. I love that. I love that. You've deepened it to a really wonderful level. And I like that the script can also be nonverbal, it can be an action. Got that, right? So, and, and, and this is important. This is the important part. You want, you must be able to stand behind your script. So if you have said, this is unacceptable, I will no longer be patronizing you. You have to follow through with that. You gotta follow through with that. So you have to, that's why it's so important to rehearse it and to know it and so you can defend it and you can follow through with it, right? So that's the importance of the script. The fourth thing, we're now gonna shift focus a little bit to managing grief by, by focusing action on your child. So fourthly, we wanna seek support for your child. Okay. So there are many different types. I wanna acknowledge that there are many different types of additional needs or special needs that our kids will have. Not everyone will be able to do everything that we're suggesting here. 
but we want to assure or ensure, sorry, that we expose our kids to as much as we can. And I'll tell you why. One, this exposure is twofold. One, just because a child struggles in one area does not mean that they will struggle in every area. And we have a culture that prioritizes math, English, and reading above all other things. Our kids are multiple. One of my favorite, favorite theories is the theory of multiple intelligence. I, I love it. It's, you know, I love what it says about human ability and our kids can shine in many, many different areas. So whether your kid has a physical, physical disability, whether it's an intellectual, whether, you know, what have you, mental, what have you, there's something that your child can be really good at. All right? Or really, or really enjoy, yes, right? So we want to be able to find support. So whether it's getting them involved in sports, getting them involved in arts and crafts, getting them involved in music, getting them involved in um, space. I, my, actually, the illustrator of my book, he runs a school that teaches um, illustrated. And he has, he has students who are autistic or on this autistic spectrum, autism spectrum, and they do brilliantly at illustrating. And I mean, they surpass all his, other, all his other students. And there's so much, the world is wide open. There's so much that our kids can do, so much that our kids can get involved in. And we really want to expose them to this because I think one of the most damaging triggers that we have about kids with special needs, regardless of what their need is, is that they lack intelligence. I don't know where it started. Maybe it's a throwback to the 70s and 80s when, you know, having a special needs meant institutionalization. But there's this incorrect feeling that having additional needs or having special needs means that you're automatically not intelligent. And seeing our kids in different lights, in different areas, in different facets can really, one, give them opportunity, but two, and most importantly, it helps us parents see our kids shine. And that has a direct effect on the grief that we feel. If I can see that, okay, maybe my child struggles in this area, but man, is he a good cook? Or wow, can she code? Or oh my gosh, she's such a good swimmer. She's such a good piano pianist. She's such a good violinist. All of these things help us navigate through our grief experience because it gives <laughs> us it gives us joy, want to see our kids enjoying things and doing well in things. And it helps us realize that there's so much more to our children and their diagnosis. Yeah. Right? I love that. And that is one of the things that, you know, uh, it, it's one of the things, one of the reasons why I wrote my book like New York Superhero School to, sh to, sh to show and to highlight how many, how capable kids with special needs are, how good they are at making friends, at, at being smart and being caring and being friendly. 
So there's so much more to with children. And I, and I understand. I understand how easy it is to only see the diagnosis on some days. Of course, I understand that. But there's so much more to our kids. And by seeking that type of support for them, helping them find areas where they can shine and get true enjoyment. And one of my favorite things to do is to go on social media and see your posts with wow. your beautiful daughter enjoying music or accomplishing something. You know, I remember when she ate, when she, I think it was mango, was it mango you were giving her? Oh, I remember. Yeah, I remember those things. Those and I and I felt the joy from you. I felt the joy from you on those days. And you know, it's it's amazing how we sometimes forget to celebrate. I love this because first your tip number four is support your children as fully as you can. Understand mm -hmm. them and don't just limit your what you see in them to the diagnosis that somebody has yeah. slapped. Mm -hmm. see all that they are see all that they can be even beyond what somebody outside who's diagnosing sees yeah and give them as much support as you can mm -hmm. and the grief is that by doing that grief actually takes a back seat because we get to live so fully and so joyfully yeah. Yeah. as our moves into a fuller state of being i think Absolutely. I love that. And five, five, fall in love with your child daily, you know, and okay, I, I, I read somewhere that uh, I read a quote somewhere that said the opposite of grief is walking in love. And I read this when I was freshly in grief and it didn't make a lot of sense to me at the time. But as I've moved along in my grief journey, I really love it and I really respect it because you, grief can be overwhelming, but even in grief, there's things to, there's things to enjoy, there's things to, to, to love about your children. And you wanna really focus on that every single day. I have a little boy who is so loving, so kind, so animated. And every day I have to take stock of those things. Some days when it's hard, I actually have to list it off in my head in order to get through certain moments, right? And yes. I have to remember every day that he's just a five-year-old boy trying to live his life. He's not trying to trigger my grief. He's not trying to make me feel overwhelmed. He's not trying to embarrass me in front of strangers. He's a five-year-old boy trying to live his life. Yeah, and he does it loudly. He does it with abandon at times because that's just who he is. So we want to find things that we love about our children and we keep a running list in our head. Each day add something new. Or if we can't add something new, start back at the first thing on the list and keep going through it, right? And really by walking in love and remembering how much we love our children, that is one of the greatest defense we have against the feeling of grief every day. Yes. You know? So the funniest thing that happened to me was last Emma one day when things just were not going well for me mm -hmm. and crying. It was the first big cry. I was alone with her. Mm -hmm. 
you know, my husband had gone to work. There was nobody to help me. And I was really struggling physically in pain and having yeah. a day lifting her, feeding her, doing everything for her. Mm-hmm. And, and life felt like it was stretching forever in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, see, I couldn't see hope in that moment, you know, because yeah. I was trapped in the same loop. It's like ground up mm-hmm. day. And I lay next to her and I I bawled. I literally bawled. And um, she started to laugh. At the top of her lungs, she was laughing. (laughs) Laughing because the way I was crying sounded as if I were laughing too. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And she was laughing along with me. And I felt even (laughs) bereft because even (laughs) felt no empathy for me, right? And it took me a couple of days and, and, and a couple of days later, I reflected on that. Mm-hmm. And I realized that my crying, I was saying to her during the cry, I'm so sorry, Em, I'm so sorry. Sorry for all that you've lost. Sorry for all the pain you've had. Sorry for all the things you won't be able to do and the risks that now you have to bear, even if you don't yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And all those things were the grief, right? That was mm-hmm. the level of like an acknowledge for myself. It was telling myself all my grief was for Em, and it wasn't. Yeah. I saw then that there was a lot of grief for self as well. Mm-hmm. A lot for mm-hmm. me. And that's mm-hmm. that's okay, but I didn't know that then. Um and then all of a sudden I realized, hmm, if she's laughing, she's not grieving. So yeah. she's lost so much. Yes doesn't grieve not a second mm-hmm. so there's my little teacher mm-hmm. and then patient one who says you know eventually mommy will learn eventually <laughs> <laughs> yeah. emmy will learn and that's more the truth of it so that's something that i've learned to really yeah. love about her joy her mm-hmm. innocence and her ability to live fully no excuses yeah. no anything yeah Exactly. And, and I mean, I, I love that you call her her little teacher because we just assume that because we're the parents, we're doing all the teaching and the instructing and stuff, but there's so much to learn from all of it. So much that, you know, we would not have been exposed to or learned had we not been blessed to be the parents of these children, you know? So we really want to fall in love with our children every day we want to find something and tell them and you know i know from you know find little rituals that work for you and your child you know that i know for my son and really if we're having a really difficult day we need to stop and we need to we need to hug we need to hug it out you know so it calms him down it calms me down it reaffirms our connection so, right. you know, we, we have to do things. And I, I just want to say, I just want to say to anyone who's listening, all of these things, you know, do not, none of them, none of it is easy. And the only way we get good at doing this is by first doing it really badly, you know? And I saw this, this thing on social media that the first step is, the first step is, it was a failure, but the first step is sucking or something like that. So the first step in learning any new skill is being bad at it. And this is this is no different. A parenting skill is no different, you know. Uh, you know, and you're not gonna stay there. You're going to get better, you're going to improve. But every time that you 
you do achieve a little bit more. I guess if I had to go with a sixth tip, it would really be be gentle with yourself, you know, even more so than in any other area of your life. Be gentle with yourself as a parent. Um, even if you uh, even if you have multiple children before, this is your first time here. Even if you've been a special needs parent for 10 plus years, this is your first time being a special needs parent, a 10 plus year old. 10 plus year old child it's all you're here for the first time so be gentle with yourself and really give yourself grace 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 to grow and to learn from it if you don't like the way you handle parenting today that's an opportunity to learn and to give yourself grace and to really say to yourself hey what am i dealing with go back to step one where we acknowledge what am i dealing with call it by name all right, so maybe your grief has changed a little bit to something else. Call the grief companion by name. What is it? Is this resentment? Is this, you know, um, burnout? What, fear? What am I dealing with this time? And then we go through the steps. Step two, actively work on danger. So maybe I need to touch in with my therapist, or maybe I need to call a friend. Maybe I need to, you know, Talk to his doctor, her doctor, and see how do I deal with this in the future? Because my child is growing, what do I do? Right? So these steps, they can repeat themselves. And you can repeat these steps as many times as you need to. There's no one undone with parenting. Right? So sometimes you have to go right back to step one and go through these steps again. And even your script might change. Something comes up for me. Because you're talking about being gentle with yourself as this bonus tip. Mm -hmm. We live in this culture where we think that the way to solve problems is always to act. Mm -hmm. But sometimes being gentle with ourselves may just be saying, you need to pause. Give yourself time to pause. And it really makes a difference because if you keep going, your burnout just gets worse. Your mm-hmm. temper mm-hmm. burst, your reserves get depleted even more. So the only yeah. way to top back up, even in micro steps, even in 20 mm-hmm. minutes, five minutes, you mm-hmm. can lose. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that, Marsha. I love that. I hope that, you know, we can continue and you can continue facilitating these conversations because it's such an important part of it. And this is and and even having someone find this podcast is a way of creating support for someone. So, you know, I give you all the encouragement. I, I think it's a wonderful thing that you're doing. And you know, it's by having these conversations that we get better. And we need to keep having these conversations. Natasha, that's the hope. Eventually, and you know this, I've said all we need to do is reach one person. The one person yes. that we can. I know once upon a time I was that one person. And yes. so, so sometimes people just need one hand to hold theirs mm-hmm. and that helps make it through. And that's mm-hmm. our hope. So uh, listeners, if you know special needs parents, help us to get this podcast out to people. Help us to share Uh, Natasha's work as an author with special needs parents so that she can support them 
help them to find resources, including ours, our websites, or our groups, and so on, that are able to give them somewhere where they can belong, where they can feel like they're in a safe place to share the hard stuff and share the joys too.